The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us was trying to brand us. We were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid and Donner and Dixon, but do you real? Here's my question. When you watch movies about Santa Claus, you never see Rudolph. I was just watching The Christmas Chronicles with Kurt Russell. Rudolph wasn't there, guys. And then I was watching Noel with Anna Kendrick and Bill Hader. Rudolph wasn't there. So is Rudolph real or not? (laughs) In the grand scheme of realness of all of this, is Rudolph real or not? Or did someone just write that song and then everyone else in the Christmas community was like, you can't just add a reindeer, guy. Especially one with plutonium on their nose. These are the things that I think about. This is what goes through the old noggin. And I'm not proud of it, but it just is what it is. Last show before Christmas, which is crazy, right? Merry Christmas to everyone out there. Happy holidays, all that stuff. I hope everyone has an amazing Christmas. I hope your family doesn't start a crazy fight on Christmas night. I hope it's filled with amazing presents. And a stimulus package, I suppose. And a vaccine. That's what I hope everyone gets. I have a present for you today. I will say that. Pumped for today's guest. And normally I kind of tease the name of the guest. But uh, I'll tell you. We're going to have Egbert Nathaniel Dawkins III. You know who that is? Maybe saying, no, Wells, I've never heard of that name. That sounds like someone who probably signed the Declaration of Independence. And you would be wrong. Okay? Let me just say this. American singer, songwriter, rapper, record producer, philanthropist. Hit songs like I Need a Dollar, The Man, Awake Me Up with Avicii. Starting to get it here. Super smart cat. Graduated high school with a perfect 4.0 GPA. Went to USC, double major. Was thinking about going back for his master's when he got kind of fired. We're not sure about that. And then said, you know what? I'm going to pivot. I'm going become a singer. Dude, almost won Mass Singer last week. Yeah, he was the mushroom. One of the nicest guys in the world. One of the most talented guys that I've ever had the pleasure of interviewing. On the Wells cast today, it's Aloe Black. Seriously, this one, guys, do not miss. That's what I'm saying. Also, just for Rudolph. 
I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step, and you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, Sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to the Wells Cast. Very excited to have on the show the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, the guy that wears hats better than anybody else in the world, Aloe Black. How are you, buddy? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You know, I watch Mass Singer. Here's my thing. Number one, they've really upped the celebrity level this season, I feel like. I'm very impressed with who's showing up to this thing. 
And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I can't believe you didn't fucking win, dude. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm, I'm happy I got as far as I got. And I'm really happy for Leanne Rimes winning uh, The Masked Singer. She's an amazing person. Don't give me the canned PR thing. You're pissed just like I am, dude. You got robbed. This is ridiculous. You know what? Look, this is a, it's actually such a dope show when you think about it. There's no, there's no real you know, competition going on. It's an entertainment show. Like really at the end of the day, you're not competing for how well you can sing. It's like, you're competing for like how well you play a character. Yeah. And it's not even a, it's not even a competition. It's just, let's, let's have fun and see how far we can get. That's what I was trying to do to see how far I could get and fool people. That was my whole mission was how can I throw my voice in different ways to make sure that the panelists don't guess who I am. And so that, the rest of the home audience doesn't guess. I was shocked. I have to be honest with you. I did not think it was going to be you. Did you have any idea or did you just, you didn't know? I just hadn't, I had no clue. My fiance, when I told her I was interviewing you, she was, cause she hadn't seen the episode. She was like, oh, he's the mushroom. I, that makes total sense. But the way you walked threw me off. I didn't think, I thought you were going to be like a Broadway guy. Or like so a dancer. The whole the whole character and the whole steez was just me embodying the spirit of my daughter. When I put on that mushroom costume, it had a skirt as the stem. So I was like, okay, I'm picturing my daughter in dressing up in her princess dresses, dancing and singing around the house. And that's ultimately what I was reflecting through the mushroom costume. And then I chose songs that were all female power ballads so that I could just like way throw my voice in a whole different corner that nobody would guess. We've got a good friend who is a choreographer on that show. And, you know, she always tells us how absolutely bonkers it is backstage. Like no one, you're like always wearing a mask. And so I guess my question is, is how much does that suck when you're just like constantly being like covered? So when I'm in my trailer, I don't have to wear the covering. I'm good. When I'm backstage in my green room, so to speak, I don't necessarily have to wear the mask because no one can see me until I walk through the hallways. Then I have to put on the mask. And it gets really hard to keep, you know, to make your steps in this very narrow corridor. Somebody has to have a flashlight for you. You're wearing this visor that's tinted. Um, all of that makes it really complicated. But at the end of the day, it's such a fun show. Like those things don't even, you don't even remember them you know, after you get off stage and do your performance, like whatever, par for the course. Were you wearing the hat underneath the mask the entire time? <laughs> no, there's no way. Uh, I switched the hat. As soon as I took off the, the, the mushroom helmet, I put my signature hat on. I was wondering, I was like, damn, dude, I don't even know how that fits in there, but all right. That makes sense. Like a split second where you get to see my receding hairline. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite judge or panelist, whatever you call them? Um, I don't know if I have a favorite. Um, I really, really dig Robin Thicke's music. Yeah. Um, he's an am amazing singer, amazing singer and a great songwriter. Um, I, I kind of missed out on the whole Pussycat Dolls thing. It wasn't my wasn't my steez when I was a kid, yeah. when I was younger. Um, more of a hip-hop and soul artist guy. But Nicole's comments were so um, 
you know, so gracious to me that, you know, I, I think she's definitely one of my favorite. And then Ken's was just off the wall. I like Ken because he's great TV. Yeah. He's just great TV. You know, he, he knows what he's doing there. I love Ken, but sometimes I'm like, maybe Ken, did you take some mushrooms before this? Like, I don't even know what you're talking about. It doesn't make Doc any sense. What them prescriptions? <laughs> the cabinet. <laughs> I also, every time I look at Ken, I think, I've seen you run around naked on The Hangover, and I just can't get that vision. You should stop thinking about that. <laughs> of all the songs you sang on the show this season, did you have a favorite? I think my favorite was singing Valerie. The version that I sang was the Amy Winehouse version. It was Amy Winehouse's Back to Black that kind of opened the door up for this new era of soul music. And I came right after that with I Need a Dollar and the Good Things album. So I wanted to sort of tip my hat to, uh, to Amy Winehouse with that performance. And at the end, a little beatbox, because I know she was a hip hop head as well. I know that masked dancers coming up. Are you going to do that next or are you, uh, are you done with the mask shows? What kind of question is that? How does that even make sense? Why would I say that I'm going to do it if I was <laughs> going to do it? I, <laughs> you know, you know the biz. Smart man. Well, it was so much fun watching you on the show. Sarah and I were rooting for you. Like I said in the opening of the show, I thought you got robbed. I thought Leanne was fantastic. And Nick was, was really, really good. But I don't know. Something about your vocals got me. Her Billie Eilish song, her, uh, I'm crying because I love you. Bah, 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 bah. She killed every performance. And, you know, I was, I was trying to play the game so hard that I was just trying to hide my voice in different places. I think I would have been found out first episode if I had to use my regular voice. Like Buster Rhymes. Like if you're Wendy Williams and you're Buster Rhymes, you can't hide your voice. <laughs> It's there. It's like slapping everybody in the face. So I figured I didn't want to come in, you know, like feeling my way through the dark with the rasp and the gravel and all that stuff. I just really tried to keep it, you know, way, way different. Well, it was fun to watch you, man. What's next? What, what's going on with you post Mass Singer? Well, I released my album in October, All Love Everything. I've been um, doing some virtual concerts and stuff online to promote it and share it. Um, but there's this remake. Um, of one of the songs on the album. Steve Aoki heard my way. And so we collabed on a new version of it and that's dropping um, in, in, a, in a week. And I, I love this new version of it. I think Steve, you know, he did his thing and it's gonna, it's gonna be a bop for people. That's kind of an MO for you is, uh, is getting big massive hits with like really well-known DJs. Is that something that you've always kind of like gravitated towards? But, you know, I never I never expected it to happen. And, you know, God rest his soul, Avicii was, you know, the, the opportunity that basically keeps, um, you know, sh showing and blossoming. It's the flower that keeps blooming. Um, my song with him, Wake Me Up, ended up introducing me to a lot of the dance music world and, and these DJs. But um, about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I was in the middle of Siberia <laughs> doing a, a, a concert and I was at the pub with, with the promoter and I saw on TV this huge concert in a stadium and there was one guy standing at turntables and I was like, who, who is that? And how does he get to do that? What's going on? And he was like, oh, that's Tiesto. He's a, you know, he's a, trance dance dj and i was like i'm gonna do that 
one day that's I'm going to do that. I'm just going to figure this out. So I went home and started trying to figure out how to be a dance DJ. I didn't go. It didn't go far. Really didn't go far. Um, but I think the next best thing was getting in the studio with Tim and writing Wake Me Up and sharing that with the world, you know? Yeah, that was the I mean, that was the first time I was introduced to you uh, years ago back in my radio days. And I remember hearing that in a music meeting being like, whoa, this is going to be a big one. So uh, I'm glad you're still uh, you're still doing it. And I'm excited for this new release um, with Aoki. Um is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to talk about before I switch gears into like what this show is? Nah, I think we got it. Well, I don't know if anyone told you, dude, but I'm kind of obsessed with people's origin stories, like how they got to where they are, what their road to success was, what's the blueprint for them, for their fame and fortune. And I'm so excited to talk to you because I know... Like I said, I came from the radio world, so when I do actors or reality TV people, I really don't know their background, but I do know a little bit about your background just from working in radio and needing to have like good bits in between songs. So I'm so pumped to talk to you about where you came from. Quick break. When we come back, can we find out where the hell Aloe Black came from? We can do that. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, Sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. 
that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back in the Wells cast, so excited to have, well, one of the guys who was uh, top three on The Masked Singer, but huge hit maker, amazing singer, radio topper, Aloe Black on the show. I want to find out where you came from and how the hell you got here. You weren't born Aloe Black, though, were you? No, 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 no. I was. I have a very colonial name. Um, my my legal name is Egbert Nathaniel Dawkins III. It comes from Jamaica. Um, my great grandfather moved to Panama. Had my grandfather, then my dad, and my they. You know, we all got the name, and I'm the third. But because I grew up making hip hop music, like I started writing rhymes at nine years old. I thought I was, I thought I was the, the, uh, the answer to, um, to the West Coast version of LL Cool J, basically, <laughs> when I was nine years old. And I started writing hip hop music and rhymes. And then by 15, I was recording and I chose the name Aloe because I felt like my whole style was so smooth, like lotion, that uh, that Aloe was the best name for me. And, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, it followed me into my singing career. This is uh, this is the name I've chosen. Flyer or sink. That's the one. What does your family think about it? Because obviously, you know, you're a, being a third, that is an important thing. So do they like that you have a stage name or are they like, you are always going to be Edward Nathaniel Dawkins the third? Never, they've never really said anything about it. I think, I think they get it. They understand that as, as an artist, you have this artist name and pseudonym persona. Um, so they're cool about it. They, there's no real restrictions. When I named my son, um, there was a, a bit of a conversation of whether I'd name him the fourth. Yeah. And I'm, nah, we're good. We're good. We, we took it far enough. We're going to start a whole new legacy now. <laughs> you talked about Panama and South America, but w- were you born down there? Or were you born in the States? I was born in Southern California. So I've, I've lived in Southern California my whole life. I don't do snow and I try not to do uh, desert heat. I try to keep it as, as simple as California weather. And do you have siblings? I have two sisters, an older sister, a younger sister. My older sister was the singer of the family. I wasn't supposed to be singing. Turned out this way. And now she's she's managing lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not the singer of the family, I got to hear this chick's voice. That's ridiculous. And I have a cousin. I have a cousin who has my middle name, Nathaniel, who um, graduated from Harvard, who is one of the most amazing voices I've ever heard. And boy, if if I don't write a an album with him or do something, then I've failed my family legacy because <laughs> his voice is literally his voice is a hundred times better than mine. Beautiful piano player, great songwriter. His name is Nathaniel Maynard. 
and just and, and he's and he runs a church, runs a church out in Boston. So I was reading up on you. There's some story about a trumpet. Yeah, yeah. I, I started playing the trumpet when I was nine years old. I guess the story on on Wikipedia is that it was broken. Yeah. But that was just like a bad translation from, you know, a German interview. It was just a rented trumpet and it's not broken. I still have it. Actually, it broke recently and I had it fixed, <laughs> but it wasn't broken back then. And I, I played trumpet up until high school marching band because uh, I wasn't down with the marching band suit anymore. And I was too cool because I was making hip hop music and changing my name to Aloe Black. Okay, so you're nine years old, you're writing hip hop tunes and into high school, you're, you know, playing trumpet and stuff. Were you also learning other instruments? No, nah, back then I wasn't learning other instruments. I mean, everybody does the recorder, but yeah. that's that was the only other thing. <laughs> One, I got into college, um, I would come home on the weekends and my dad had bought a piano. So that's when I started playing piano. And I took a, a course at the university for one semester of piano. And then I took one semester and then he bought a guitar. So then I stole the guitar and I took a semester of guitar just so I could learn. Cause I'd, I'd seen this TV commercial with Cat Stevens playing guitar and singing. And the look on his face was just so real. He just looked so passionate about what he was saying. I felt it. I was like, I don't know if I've ever made anybody feel this way with my rap songs. So I'm going to try to sing now. And I got a guitar and tried to tried to sing. Were you good at first or did it take some time? I was not good at first at singing. I still I'm still working on it. I'm trying to figure it out. You know, I'm selling records, but, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing my thing. I think I can write a better song than I can sing. And I think that's what ultimately is is um, the saving grace in my career is that I can write what works for my voice. And uh, and, you know, you'll see we'll see where it goes ultimately. Like, I'm not going to be the best piano player or best guitarist. I have musicians and friends that are way better, and that's what they focus on. I like to focus on the words, the letters, the writing, because that's what I was trained in as a hip-hop artist, just writing with no music, just coming up with great ideas, great concepts, and pulling and pushing on emotion and, and language. I mean, you're obviously a smart guy. I was reading up that you had a 4.0 in high school that earned you a scholarship. Where did you go to college? Uh, I went to the University of Southern California. I got a full tuition academic scholarship because I was um, really, really into school. You know, I was into, into hip hop as well. Like my, I did so well in school that my parents were like, do whatever you want. So I'd go, I'd go to clubs on weeknights, come home two, three in the morning um, and then get to zero period, you know, at, at 7 a.m. the next day and still be, you know, up for the challenge of doing well in school. But that was in high school? That was in high school. And then when I got to college, I, I still continue to make music, but I focused way more because I didn't want to lose my scholarship. So I focused way more on academia and, um, and studied communication. And I wanted to do a neuroscience minor, but they didn't. They didn't have it. So I had to kind of like piece together my own minor of uh, or a double major, actually, of, of linguistics and psychology. So I ended up doing a bunch of, uh, you know, what they call the dry side of neuroscience. Jeez. Wet side would be opening brains. Jesus, dude, you're fucking smart, man. OK, so so you graduate 
you graduated, you're like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go play music now. Mm -hmm. I could be a neuroscientist, but no, I'm going to go play music. No, no, I graduate. And while I was at university, every summer I had an internship with Ernst & Young. So every summer I was in either Chicago or I was in Phoenix or here in LA doing an internship. And when I graduated, I walked straight into a job, basically. Um, <clears throat> but music was always tugging on me. It was, you know, my passion. It was my pastime. It was my hobby. It was my expertise. That's where I had 10,000 hours already devoted um, to learning and practicing something. And there was this um, new hire hazing that they did uh, at a, one of the quarterly meetings where the new hires, the new associates had to do some sort of talent, sing, say a poem or do an interpretive dance or draw a picture or something in front of, you know, the entire uh, company. I decided to sing a song that I wrote. And uh, when I got off stage, standing ovation, and one of the partners came up to me, and was like, you might be in the wrong business. And uh, I, was there, I was there for two years before they let me go. And then I, I went to just focus on music. So did you get fired? I don't know if I want to call it fired or made redundant, <laughs> reduction of force. There's a lot of euphemisms, <laughs> but I, I, I just say, yeah, I was fired. You know, if they wanted me, if they really wanted me, if I was worth what they were paying me, they would have kept me. Yeah. But I'm glad that I left because now I probably make more than most of the partners. <laughs> So you're doing business consulting, you leave there or you get into music. You're a guy who had a 4.0 GPA, you had a scholarship to USC, you were a double major. You're like, all right, you know, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna become a musician now. Are your, are your, is your family like, wait, what, you, what, hold on a second. Kind of, yeah. My mom was like, when are you gonna get a job? Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's like, you know, and my dad was like, you know, music, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not really a career. Um, and there was, you know, it was a good span of time between uh, leaving the corporate world and having my first hit. It was a good span of time. So I was even getting cold feet. I was like, you know what? I'm going to just go and take this, uh, this little GRE here and see if I'm going to go to graduate school because I might have to go teach somebody something. <laughs> I had signed a deal with an indie label called Stone's Throw where I got to uh, make this transition from making hip hop music to singing and then release an album called good things, which was a soul throwback soul album that had, I need a dollar on it. I need a dollar became a huge hit because it was synced to the theme for how to make it in America, a TV show, um, that didn't make it in America. And, um, it became really popular in France and Germany and England because people were illegally downloading it. Remember LimeWire? Oh yeah. Uh, and they, the radio station started playing I Need a Dollar out in Europe. So I flew out to Europe, spent a lot of time doing a lot of press and promo and concerts and um, major labels out there started uh, asking about me and wanting to sign me. And that, that really led to, you know, where I am today, just the success of I Need a Dollar. Is that how your relationship with Avicii came about i mean i'm certain that you know avicii had a huge hit with the song called levels where he sampled etta james's voice and that was i for for him i think was an experience that made him think i want to work with soul vocalists i want to work with another soul vocalist or something like that and i ended up getting signed to interscope 
and Avicii had befriended Neil Jacobson, one of the best A&R guys in the business, one of the most honest and real guys in the business, um, who was like, you know what? I know Avicii has something. There's something here. But Interscope didn't want to sign him at the time. The leadership at Interscope was like, nah, we're not going to sign him. But Jake, Neil Jacobson was like, I'm going to help this guy anyway. I'm going to see what I can do to help his career. So he had, you know, this idea to put me in touch with Tim. And Tim was looking for a, a sole vocalist to do some songs with. So we connected in the studio and, you know, the rest is history. Was it a immediate chemistry between you two or was it something that you guys kind of had to work on? I think it was immediate chemistry from a very focused and high endurance music standpoint. Like we we met in in the in the place of mind where we're giving 110% to everything we do. And we're both really good at what we do, so we're not going to fail each other. Um and you know, the first song he had me sing was one that was written by Mac Davis, who um, was one of the, you know, big songwriters uh, for Elvis and, and in the country world. And then I was like, let's try to write something together. And immediately, like, the, the, the song and the idea just kept growing and, and building. And it just felt so awesome. But we never put it out. It ended up, it, I think the reason why Tim never put it out was because it wasn't necessarily a style that he wanted to promote yet or ever if ever it was more of a of a like a dubstep feel and vibe um and you know that's that wasn't what he was known for and obviously there were other artists who were really known for that so maybe he was testing me i don't know but we had a really cool bond on that on that uh session and then we had another session booked but he double booked and he was in the studio with Mike Einziger. And Mike Einziger was like, yo, if you have a session with Aloe, just let's all make a song together, have Aloe come over. So when I got to uh, Mike's house, they already had the chord progression on the guitar for Wake Me Up. I had these lyrics that I wanted to share because I, I always walk into the session prepared with something. I, I never want to come in empty handed. And uh, I started singing these lyrics to their, to their guitar part and we were all like yeah this is it let's record it we did when that song was released like obviously like i need a dollar was kind of like the first big milestone of your career but was wake me up the thing that you were like i made it wow you know wake me up was a vici song right it was his release and so for me the i made it moment was right around that time i had finished my album John Eamon was my A&R. His, um, in, the, in the chain of command, next was Larry Jackson, who had brought John Eamon over to Interscope. And Larry Jackson was Jimmy Iovine's right-hand man. So Larry Jackson is at Jimmy's house playing him the new album. And there's a song called The Man on it. Jimmy call, Larry calls me. He's like, I got Jimmy on the phone. He wants to talk to you. Jimmy's like, hey, Allo, I heard the song The Man. I want to use it in my Beats by Dre commercial. And I'm thinking, I hope he's not asking me because the answer is yes. There's yeah. no way I'm going to say no here. So they ended up using the song for the commercial with Kevin Durant and with Colin Kaepernick. Um, and I felt like that was, that was my made it moment. I had no idea how much more of a, I made it moment. Wake me up was going to be, yeah. it just kept growing and growing and growing 
to the point where like it became you know the basically the biggest song during that time and it's going to be an evergreen it'll be it'll be around forever last question what's one piece of advice you can give people out there striving to do whatever they want to do and attain their dreams. A piece of advice that you give them or something that you live by. Yeah, I mean, easy for me to say, but, you know, when you are trying to achieve your dreams, do not base your success on how much money you make. Do not base your success on how famous you get. Really, at the end of the day, success is about the quality and craftsmanship you put into the work that you do. I have tons of songs that I believe are the biggest songs in the world that basically didn't make a, a blip in the, in the marketplace. And I have tons of songs that I have never released that I feel like are, you know, a real testament to craftsmanship that I hope to release one day. Those are the things I'm most proud of. I'm happy that I got some money in the bank. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I feel really strongly about that because I have friends who are, amazing artists and they understand the value of what they do and they may never make a dime um but they're still way better than a whole lot of people who are on the top of the charts and i think that's what matters the most i love that real quick before i let you go you got time for some rapid fire questions oh yeah for sure let's do it all right rapid fire questions with aloe black what was the first concert you ever went to First concert I went to was Wu-Tang Clan. Oh, that's Ooh. a good one. Who was your first kiss? First kiss. Oh, what's her name? Rebecca Greenwood. <laughs> Shout out to Rebecca Greenwood. What was your first car, make and model? First car. Oh, my gosh. My dad had so many cars, and I borrowed all of them. But the one he bought for me was a Geo Metro Red. It, we called it the peanut M&M. <laughs> what's your biggest pet peeve? Whoa, biggest pet peeve. Inconsiderate people. You got to just, you know, be considerate. What was the first record cassette or CD you bought? First record, first cassette I bought was Nas Illmatic. I, I remember buying it on a Santa Monica board on the Santa Monica boardwalk. <laughs> uh, what's one thing that's always in your fridge? Ooh, always in my fridge, um, coconut water. Who's your childhood hero? Childhood hero. Sorry, that one is escaping me. Childhood hero. It wasn't He Man. I was more into the uh, into Thundercats, so it was probably Umra. <laughs> Who's your celebrity crush? When I was really young at the babysitter's house, she used to play Sade, and I fell in love with Sade's voice, but I also fell in love with Anita Baker's voice. So it's a tie. Last one. You can, you can record with anybody alive or dead, work with, write with, perform with. Who is it? Ooh, Quincy Jones, for sure. I mean, the best producer and... Uh, best human being in the music business, I think. Aloe Black, thank you so much for being on the Wells cast, dude. Your story is amazing. You're a wonderful dude. I'm still pissed at Leanne Rhymes, but whatever. You can't win everything, I guess. And uh, I'm going to write a letter into some television producers. But thank you so much, man, for being on the show. Right on. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Take care. You too, man. Well, that was awesome. Aloe Black is the man. He also wrote a song called The Man. He also wrote a song called I Need a Dollar, which I do need a dollar. Like everyone in the country needs a dollar right now. Stimulus! All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go try to wrap some gifts in a terrible manner because men can't wrap gifts. It's just a fact. We are bad at it. I'm a bad guy. I'm a bad guy, guys. Just so you know, I'm a bad guy. I get whatever I get, and I put it in a bag, and I throw in some tissue paper, and bing, bada boom, bada bang, 
You got yourself a gift. Wrapping stuff. Ridiculous. Takes forever. Find yourself a bag guy. All right, I'm out. I got to go to CVS and buy some more bags. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everyone out there. Listen, this year has, I'm going to say, fucking sucked. All right? It did. But we're here. Let's be thankful for that. Hopefully 2021 is better. I don't know. I mean, really low bar. Shouldn't be hard to be better than that. You know what I'm saying? Rate and review on the Apple and Play Store. It helps the algorithm, I guess. If you like what, I, what I'm doing, tell your friends and family, all that stuff. Be safe on uh, Christmas and New Year's. Try not to gather with people you don't know because, you know, COVID. All right. I'm going to go uh, I'm gonna get some bags. See you later. Subscribe to Wells Cast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts. It's the internet. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.